If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 24th, 2012. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, a number of different topics. First one is the uh, Prometheus movie, Exposed. It's kind of what I titled it. And then a lot of other articles kind of relating to this unbelievably draconian, evil trend that we're seeing regarding technology, the mark of the beast, uh, <clears throat> genetically altering human beings, uh, designer babies, essentially, in, in that particular thing. We're going to be looking at that movie Gattaca as well, uh, transhumanism, and a lot of the different things that relate to that subject, and just... I've talked about these things in times past, but there's so much more breaking information always coming out. And what I'll tend to do is compile information over time and then kind of... It's it's not really a dedicated study, but we are going to be talking about that. But I've done several studies on these individually, uh, dedicated studies, uh, that I try to always give the links to those other studies I've done in the past to actually confirm what we're talking about today. Particularly if you're a new listener and hearing this for the first time. Uh, I want to thank everybody that also uh, participated in the fasting leading up to the summer solstice. Uh, I had a lot of really good feedback, a lot of feedback from people that said that uh, it was one of the things, that that one of the, the most amazing things they had ever done regarding feeling, I guess, a closeness to the Lord, uh, because it, it, that fast can literally kill you. I mean, not, a lot of people got to the last day, and, and they weren't quite able to finish it out, and, and that's totally understandable. Uh, it's, it's, um, in the Bible it says, at the end of the, the thing where it talks about the fast, it's kind of known as an Esther fast, three, three days, no food, no water. You know, if I perish, I perish. That's how it, that's how it's ended. Meaning that you can literally die from it. Now, I've never heard anybody dying from it. It's not not that the Lord wouldn't uh, protect someone, but a lot of people. Um, the last day it was it just got uh, too much. Uh, but yeah, it, it's tough. Um, I've done it. Uh, I can't remember if it's. I know this is at least my third time. It might have been my fourth. I, I you kind of forget, you know, fast kind of overlap. But um, my my kidneys were screaming at me the last day, no doubt. <laughs> uh, and the thing that you don't want to do on that type of fast, and I, I went over some things you don't want to do, but you don't want to have a lot of physical activity because think about it: if you're not drinking water and you're sweating at all, you're going to definitely not be able to get through the three days, most likely, because you're dehydrating yourself from that standpoint as well. Um, <clears throat> I had one lady say that, you know, if you take a, uh, I think it was like an Epsom salt bath, that can help. Um, 
with the hydration aspect of it, just from being in the water, uh, in, in those types of things. But it is the most powerful as far as a short-term fast. There's no more powerful fast you could do. There, there is none. And um, when you look at when Esther, when, when the people around that situation were doing that, well, it was kind of a matter of life and death for them. If they wouldn't have had favor with the king, you know, as opposed to having favor with the king. It, it could have, I mean, it would have, could have went either way. I mean, either they die or actually the enemies um, of the Jews of, of this particular movement would and that's how it ended up working out. They ended up, their own tongues fell upon themselves, essentially, like the Bible talks about in Psalm 64. So, um, <clears throat> the one thing about it is, is that when you do a fast like that, for particularly if you're, you're doing it for the specific reason, at least in part, the main reason, regarding the sacrifices that take place in the summer solstice, because what they do is so secretive, and obviously never advertised in, you know, the, the the people that literally own the newspapers and the media outlets are the people that would participate in that type of stuff. Um, it's hard to get a read on what type of spiritual impact was made as a result of the fasting. You know, unless the Lord would so choose to show somebody... Um, in whatever way he would see fit. But, suffice it to say, if there's a lot of people participating in that type of fast, or, or even a three-day water fast, or, or uh, you know, not everybody's the same, not everybody's going to be led to do the exact same type of fast. But when you have that many people fasting in general over a specific thing, it can only have amazing results. Whether we see it you know, or hear about it, that's kind of irrelevant. We'll know about it when we get to heaven. We'll, we'll be given a full appraisal, I believe. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just wanted to thank everybody that, that participated in that. And, and um, hopefully, one of the other things that I mentioned is people getting um, from the Lord, the Lord showing them, uh, or possibly in the days or weeks to come, guiding them in the direction that they need uh, to go regarding the coming um, global collapse, calamity, things that are coming upon us that, that could take place starting you know, this summer, going into fall, going into winter. <clears throat> and... Um, I'm really hoping and, and praying that the Lord will, will guide uh, the body of Christ in that regard so that we're actually put in a position of strength uh, and in regard to the end times. And um, there's no way to really know how that, that's going to play out, <clears throat> you know, right now because we're, we're not there yet. So... Uh, the, the fasting in, in and of itself is is uh, a means to supercharge your prayers. The, Jesus Christ said that when the disciples had come back to him one particular time and they couldn't cast out a devil, he said, this kind, and I'm paraphrasing, he, he said, this kind goeth out 
not but by prayer and fasting, essentially. So, in other words, there are certain types of devils that will not come out of a person unless you pray and fast. Praying's not even enough. Fasting has to be accompanied with it. They're, they're at another level, a stronger level of demonic activity, and fasting has to accompany that. So that's that's another application. So anyway, let's go ahead and get into the Prometheus movie Exposed. Now this source article that I'm I'm citing from was not a, a Christian source article. Uh, so I ended up editing quite a bit, or really not so much editing, but just getting rid of a lot of the material. A lot of it was his wild theories. I just wanted to kind of stick to more of the facts of the movie and what the movie was about, and then analyze it from that point, from a, uh, a biblical standpoint. <clears throat> but the actual source article was, I believe, Prometheus's Fire Alien Gods in Pandora's Box of Tricks. In the recent movie, Prometheus, directed and produced by the father of film, Ridley Scott, he's known as, quote, the father of film, we find many connections to literature and common themes that talk of creator gods descending to the earth, in the ancient world. Now, I've already done, uh, well, kind of two specific teachings on this. The first is called the ancient astronaut lie, the shocking origin of of intelligent design theory, and then I did a, a, a dedicated one on intelligent design called the intelligent design lie. I give you the links right there. Now, a lot of people might be saying, "What do you mean intelligent design's Christian?" No, it's absolutely not Christian. That's a total lie. If you look at the actual source roots of intelligent design and you really trace it back and you just don't look at a, take a cursory look of intelligent design, um, it actually believes in this ancient astronaut theory, which is what Prometheus teaches uh, as its core, source, how the movie starts out, essentially. That a creator god race came to planet Earth and seeded humanity in one way, shape, or form. Now, there's a lot of different varying ways that may be presented. If you look, if you go up to YouTube and you can Mission from Mars and can Last Scene, well, that's one of the ways it's presented. Where, in that particular case, this large gray alien with this feminine motif, which was really kind of creepy... Um, presents to the space astronaut guy, this is how you were created. And essentially, you know, they had to abandon Mars a long, long time ago. And then the, as they were abandoning Mars, they chucked a few, uh, I don't know, uh, seed pod things into onto planet Earth when it was, you know, 80 billion gazillion years ago. See, they, if, they, if they can get you to believe it was that long ago, well, anything could have happened in 80 bazillion gazillion years. I mean, hey, you know, that's why they do it. I don't believe in that. I, I, I don't believe, and I know there's going to be people that, that, you know, oh no, the Earth is that old. I just believe in the creation account, you know which we're, we're not looking at near that long of a period. I believe God can create something with the appearance of it looking ultra-old as well. 
And, you know, you can get into a whole big argument about this or that and the gap theory and all this other stuff. But I just believe in the literal seven days of creation, like the Bible talks about. And But see, what I'm saying is, regardless of how you feel about that, I'm telling you flat out that one of the main ways evolutionists, ancient astronaut people that, that t- teach ancient astronaut or, intel- or intelligent design, which is the ancient astronaut theory, yes, the intelligent design teaches that we had a, a uh, creator, okay? unlike Darwinism where we evolved out of the primordial slime. So people think, well, that's, that's better. Not, it's not better if that creator actually was an alien that created us. And that's what intelligent design believes at its core, if you study intelligent design. It's not, it's not the God of the Bible. Okay? It's not. And if you don't believe that, listen to my two teachings I've done on it. The, the first one on the ancient astronaut lie go into how what the Raelians teach. The cult, the Raelians, you heard of them? And they, they teach ancient astronaut. They were one of the first ones that brought it out. And I, I actually critique one of their videos. Uh, so... You know, it's it's uh, it's very interesting how Satan. Not, I shouldn't say interesting, but it, it's how he goes about twisting things and warping things, and 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 it's very subtle. It's very subtle in the way he works, and he is the most subtle beast of the field, according to Genesis three. So a lot of this is very subtle, and intelligent design is even more subtle, because, oh, we, we have, we have a, a common creator. But like in the last scene of Mission from Mars, essentially they seed the, the planet, and, you know, they're, they're dropping their little whatever seed pods into the ocean, and then it shows, like, the them actually transforming into, like, a whatever, two salt amoeba, into a minnow, into a fish, you know into a, some type of salamander-type creature that end, ends up crawling on shore. And then that evolves into everything else. And then, you know, obviously, eventually to the ape, to the Piltdown Man, or whatever. So that's their form of, of, of evolution. You can actually have... You can actually combine intelligent design, ancient astronaut, which is really the same thing, and Darwinism into one. They, they can... They can find a way to skew it to make that all work. It's all garbage and lies. It's all total garbage and lies. You can't create life out of out of essentially nothing and have that evolve into what we are today. It's just the most asinine thing. And again, I don't I don't have time to get into a study on evolution. That would literally, you could do a hundred part study on that easily. And there's people that are absolutely devoted to that. You know, Ken Hoven was like Ken Ham, the answers in Genesis. There's a lot of people that are, that's what they do all day long. And, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm any kind of expert in that, in that particular area. It, it would involve almost a dedicated ministry to really specialize in that. And there are dedicated ministries for that. Um, I'm going to read you just the the, uh, the intro to this ancient astronaut teaching I did. Um, this is a special study I felt convicted to do after viewing a 27-minute internet video put out by the Raelian cult. The video does one of the most thorough jobs of condensing most of the coming New Age, New World Order lies that I have ever witnessed. 
which again is kind of what Prometheus does in a way as well. Most of these lies seem so appealing to the unsaved for the same reason Eve was seduced by the serpent in the Garden of Eden because they promise ye shall be as gods. That's where it always ends up. And this is the whole thing about the dawning of the age of Aquarius. We're in the age of Pisces right now. We're going into the age of Aquarius, which will literally be going from the old world old world order into the new world order that we've heard so much about. Where we will be as gods, which is a total lie from the pit of hell. Their version of godhood is going to be us all getting like neural implants, altering our DNA through multiple vaccinations. Uh, Mark of the Beast, obviously, that comes along probably more near the end. And you're absolutely incapable of being saved. You're going to be post-human, as they describe it. You're not going to be fully human anymore. You're going to be what they what they term as post-human. I mean, if you like this girl that just won the spelling bee, she had a neural implant, and ever since she got the neural implant, all of a sudden her memory went through the roof. She's like what the youngest girl to ever win that spelling bee. She was eight. She was eight. Well, it just so happens that she had a neural implant at a very early age, and after she got the neural implant, all of a sudden, her memory was through the roof. Now listen, I don't have a problem with somebody getting a pacemaker, or or stuff like that, I mean, that's going to regulate heart function. Of course, I believe I could probably do the same thing with nutrition. Um, that's a specific B vitamin deficiency if you can't regulate rate and rhythm in the heart, but that's a whole other subject. Anyway... I understand there, there's times when, when, but when you get into the brain and you're altering brain function, where do we cross the line where we become a cyborg? You're part machine, part human. They were arguing that, well, it's not fair to the other contestants who aren't cyborg. That's what a cyborg is. Essentially, part machine, part human. Where do we cross the line where that becomes an issue regarding our ability to be saved? I don't really know. But it's not something I really want to mess with. You know what I mean? Like, where do we cross the line where we get enough of these tainted DNA vaccines and That's why one of the main reasons they're giving us all these vaccines is to alter our DNA. Hmm, I wonder if that has anything to do with Genesis 6 where Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Huh. And what were they doing in Genesis 6? Well, the sons of God, these angels, at that point they were still good angels, saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives, all that they chose. And then those days were giants. Hmm. Turned by the word Nephilim, or fallen ones. The women bore the fallen angels, giants. And it so corrupted the world that God had to start over. He had to gather everybody on the ark, or eight people on the ark, and the animals, two by two, 
that still had, were still pure genetically. Noah, it said, was pure in his generations, was perfect, it said, but in regard to, it doesn't mean he was a perfect human being, but his DNA was pure. It had not been tainted yet. Now, how much of the population's DNA had been tainted at that point? I don't know. Could it have been near 100%? Sure. I mean, you let Satan get away with anything for long enough, he's going he's gonna to corrupt it if you give him that chance. I mean, the Bible says that, that man's thoughts were only evil continually, and it repented God that it, he had even made man, essentially. He, he was, you know, that's how bad it got. He had to wipe out the whole world and start over. Why? Because the seed of mankind had been corrupted. The DNA had been corrupted. It's one of the main reasons they're doing this, these vaccinations. The DNA is tainted. They're using all kind of... I mean, who knows what they're putting in there that they may not even be admitting to. Not only that, they have the capability now to put microchip dust, and, and that's been known for, my word, this, almost 10 years. The Hitachi dust, you can literally put dust, microchip dust, in the vaccines and get it injected, and you don't even have a clue. You've got injectable nanorobots, is what they're called, in you. They've got the ability to put a microchip at the end of the needle at the last part of quality control. I've read that before. And you get injected, you don't even know you've been injected. And then not only the, the host of other horrific chemicals they're putting in there to kill us, because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy... But I believe one of the main reasons is to alter our DNA so that we're not fully human anymore. Our DNA has been corrupted just like it was in Noah's day. Were any people on planet Earth at that point capable, and I understand, you know, since Jesus was here, it's a different way, I mean, in regarding salvation. He hadn't died on the cross yet, in other words. He hadn't been you know, shed his blood. The finished work of the cross had not been completed. He wasn't seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty to ever make intercession for the saints. He hadn't made that sacrifice yet. But obviously Noah, we're going to see Noah in heaven. How many people during that time, the, uh, during the flood, were any on the planet capable of of being saved at that point? I don't know. But if they weren't, think about the reason why they weren't. Could it have been because their DNA had been corrupted? The seed of mankind had been corrupted and they were incapable of being saved? I think if there were, I mean, if God was willing to spare Sodom and Gomorrah, for what did it get down to? Like, one righteous man or something? Or very few? He was willing to do that for Sodom and Gomorrah. Why wouldn't he have done that for the whole planet if there were anybody capable of being redeemed at that point? I don't think there was anybody that could. I think everything had been so corrupted, primarily through their DNA, that God had to destroy the whole world. Now, I've done many, many teachings on this. Kian, Nephilim, Noah, Giants... In the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, I've done many dedicated studies on the subject. So I don't want to get in an argument with anybody. I've already done so much on there. And there are PDFs connected with every one of these teachings. 
But I'm giving you some things to think about and what their agenda is so that you're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. So that you're not ignorant of Satan's devices lest he get an advantage of you. See 2 Corinthians 2.11. And there's more Satan's devices now than there's ever been in the history of mankind. So, because they promise ye shall be as gods in this coming new age we're coming to, anyone buys into this, now here's another point, if anyone buys into this, ye shall be as gods garbage, think about this, then all accountability to a holy God goes out the window. And they feel they can live any way they want. That's that's one of the main things that appeals to people. I can live like the devil. In fact, I can live like a god. Well, if I'm a if I'm my own god, then I don't need a god to save me. And if I can live like and I'm and if I'm a god, then I can do whatever I want to do because I'm a god. I make the rules. Pretty appealing. That's why it's so appealing to so many people. Satan is still the most subtle beast of the field and he has not changed his tactics as you will see when you listen to this audio. Audio. Uh, in this teaching I will be playing the sound from the video and stopping to comment along the way um, to present a full rebuttal to this most egregious heresy. The ancient astronaut theory is going to unfortunately take many people to hell and is going to be one of the cornerstones of the grand deception the Antichrist will perpetuate. See, that's why I'm doing this teaching today. Because it's not just something that, oh, this is interesting, and, you know. There, there's, there's no merit to relate to this. It's just this interesting aside that, that we might want to know about. No, I'm doing this stuff for a reason. I have this ministry for a reason. A watchman-type ministry to warn people about this type of thing. I have people still emailing me saying, no, you just need to concentrate on preaching the gospel week in, week out. I'm a watchman, okay? That is my main thing, is to see people get saved. I got a salvation tab at the very top of my my website. I've, with my emails that I sent out, I sent out the salvation link where I did an extensive study on that particular subject. But you have to understand, a lot of people will end up getting saved through information like this that they're searching for. So, you know, not everybody's ministry is cookie cutter in the exact same as another person's ministry. Yes, we're all called to preach the gospel in, in, in you know, whatever way the Lord's called us. But there's different ways you can reach people. Um, now, on this one on intelligent design, I'm just going to read you the excerpt from that, the, the, the title... In this, we will start the study by examining the true occult meaning of some common symbols we see on an everyday basis. Uh, we look at the Caduceus symbol, the Juan Hermes, and these types of things. They're used in the medical profession. And then we will see how intelligent design is not biblical, but actually its original roots in the 19th century deism. That's where it actually got its start. 19th century deism. In the New Age movement also, and currently in pseudoscience and mathematics, which disbelieves biblical creationism. Yet most people believe that intelligent design is biblical. In the 1990s, New Age authors began to teach interventionist creation. Okay, this is where we really get it. It starts ramping up. 
1990s, New Age authors began to teach interventionist creation, in which aliens came to Earth millions of years ago and created, uh, created Earth as we see it now, including all humans, and then they left. This heresy is now evolved into the modern-day New Age theory that supposes that superintelligent aliens intervene in world history at just the right time to create the world as we know it. Today, this theory has a name, with pseudoscience and mathematics to make the concept believable. The term for this new theory is intelligent design. So, in other words, in its purest form, this theory teaches that millions of years ago, mankind was created by aliens, claiming to be gods of our creation, a.k.a. the ancient astronaut theory. Now, in Prometheus, the, basically the movie starts out with this big, giant, albino-looking dude standing at the side of this waterfall. He opens this thing, and there's this stuff inside, and he drinks it, and he starts, like, dying and corroding and just breaking down right in front of you. And then it's almost like the camera goes into his, because there's scenes of the movie you can view, the camera, like, goes into his body, and you can see, and then it goes all the way to the DNA. Helix. The double helix DNA. And it shows the DNA breaking down. And then he kind of like falls into the waterfall. And it shows his body in the waterfall. And then it just starts like breaking apart everywhere. And it shows his DNA corroding initially. And then it shows it reforming. See, this is the lie that they're perpetuating. The reforming was in the water. Now remember, the, 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 the evolutionists, all, I believe, teach, you know, out of the primordial sludge, evolved the two-cell amoeba, and the two-cell amoeba, you know, evolved into the minnow, and then into the fish, and, you know, so on and so on, until we get to Piltdown Man, and whatever, Neanderthal Man, and then Human. So we got all that, that same dynamic going on. So you can have... The evolutionary theory, the Darwinism, Darwinism, and then you can also have the ancient astronaut theory, and they're combining them into one. It's just like they did on the last scene of Mission from Mars. That way, everything can be reconciled from a satanic viewpoint, if you think about it. All of this is predictive programming, to program us into believing that there is no such thing as a creator, true creator God of the Bible. That's all just made up lies they're going to teach, and they are teaching. No, no, we were actually created by these. And I mean, it, as, as the movie evolves, these uh, aliens are benevolent creators. I mean, they're, they're the most heinous, evil, nasty things you've ever seen. And yet, they they were so gracious as to to um, create us this way. And then over millions of years after this DNA from this devil alien reformed, this is what this was our beginnings. And this is what we evolved from this one particular event that took place on the side of this waterfall. Total blasphemy. 100%. But I'll tell you what, Hollywood... Hollywood, which, again, the reason that they call it Hollywood, is 
a witch's wand, the most preferable wood for a witch's wand is from the holly tree. That's why it's holly wood. Hollywood has taken their witch's wand and cast a spell. Hollywood's pure evil. And they cast that spell over these people who go and pay to see these particular movies and these types of things. And, and it's a brainwashing tool. That's why they're doing it. There's a lot of witchcraft involved with Hollywood. So, going back to the article, as a prequel to the infamous Alien movies. Now, this is a, a prequel to the Alien movie. Meaning, this happened, if you've ever seen the Alien movie, where, um, you know, they go to that planet, and, I mean, it's been a long time since I saw that movie. And I'm not saying watch it, because it's really bad, but, I mean, when I was, I saw it when I was unsaved or whatever, a long time ago. But, I mean... When they go to that move uh, planet, you know they discover, you know these aliens, and then the aliens come out to play, and then get on the ship, and then try to kill them all. And this is a prequel to that original Alien series, okay? Meaning this took place before it. The story commences in the distant past when a spacecraft with an advanced humanoid alien species, these genetic engineers, arrive on Earth. The alien engineer consumes a dark liquid causing his body to disintegrate and fall into a nearby waterfall, hinting at the seeding of new life on Earth symbolically. No, it's not symbolically. It's literally. I'm going to change that in this article. Uh, And again, the person that wrote this article was not, I mean, bought into this, essentially. So I had to, like, go in there, and I'm just trying to stick with the facts of the movie, and not all of their stupid, you know, wild speculation about this or that. You know, uh, the essence of life in this way is visually conveyed quite graphically as infectious codes, which are the building blocks of life passing through the blood and the DNA of all life on Earth. Later in the movie, we witness the impact of meddling scientists that go to the place of origin and enter an alien chamber on a distant moon or planet. They get they get to this planet, and, and it's, I don't know, some planet that I think looks like Saturn and supposedly there were all these cave writings they found in these ancient caves around the world, and they all said, okay, this, these are where our creators are from, essentially. So, you know, they get this brilliant idea to, to get into a rock and go there and, and meet, our, meet our creators, is essentially the whole, the whole thing there. I mean, and, and even, I mean, it'd be one thing if they went there and, you know, they were this noble race of, of space giants that, we're waiting for us to finally get there. I mean, no, that's not exactly the reception they get. What they get is pure evil. <laughs> so, I mean, even even Hollywood, you know, <laughs> they're trying to tell you something here, you know. So, going further, ancient stories from all over the world talk of the gods, giants, and titans both fighting and ruling over humanity. Now, again, what's up with all these Marvel uh, comic Shows, you know, the Avengers, um, uh, Thor, to a lesser extent that Iron Man show. What is all that? Well, no, they're just superheroes. No. Well, on a lot of these, you look like at Thor and Odin 
and Loki and, and these ones that they're talking about here, these are fallen angels. These were the gods that portrayed themselves as gods of old. These were the ones that originally fell during Genesis, most likely during Genesis 6. These are where we get all of our, all of the, those old legends from. The Greek legends and Zeus and Apollo and they're fallen angels. That's all they are. They have nothing to do with the God of the Bible. But they come and they want to present themselves as gods. We're your gods. We created you. Even though they were actually created by God and are subject to God. But they're deceivers. They're of their father the devil and of his works they will do. But they want, to, they want to present themselves with this big, powerful facade and veneer. And, oh, yes, we did this and this. And, and these are the legends of old. And we actually created you. And all this other garbage. Fallen angels. It's actually quite common once you delve a little deeper into the subject. All over the world, many ancient civilizations believe there were communication with gods that came from the skies. <laughs> they came from the skies because they fell from heaven. There are ancient records, art, and myths that are also connected to these legends of the sky people coming down to earth. And there's tons, of course. I mean, if you were a ancient race, and all of a sudden you had these superhuman, godlike creatures that could manifest probably any way they want to manifest, coming down supposedly from heaven, and all of a sudden proclaiming that they were your creator and that you're subject to them. And it's kind of funny, they always ended up requiring human sacrifice. Hmm. I mean, all these ancient um, societies that succumbed to the gods, that basically gave in to whatever demands they ever said, whether you look at, you know, Samaria or the Mayans or the Aztecs or whatever. It's kind of funny... It always, they always ended up requiring massive amounts of human sacrifice. Is that because they were good and they were benevolent? It just shows you how wicked and evil and the deception that's been foisted. This isn't just something that's just happened last week. This is something that's been foisted on humanity ever since really Genesis 6, when I believe the first angels fell. The first, well, the first wave, I should say, of fallen angels. I understand Satan fell before that. But, I mean, he was in the Garden of Eden. But this is where we get all of those legends and myths and all these things from. And, and this is, these are, you know, and, and there's a lot of history of these. And all that proves, it doesn't prove that, 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 that they had an accurate gauge on what was really going on, these, these whole societies were deceived by these fallen angels. And they were frightened and scared and gave in to what the fallen angels demanded of them. And I'm sure the fallen angels promised them all kind of this or that. And as they gave in, the more they gave in, the more demon or devil-possessed these, these societies became. And the more hardened they became. And then invariably, God always ended up having to wipe out those civilizations. All these civilizations that were into massive human sacrifice, isn't it kind of funny they're all gone? 
You know, they never end up lasting real long because God will not permit it. Going further, here's some ancient art and texts that have been uh, depicting sky gods. These are ancient things. I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, the thing is, is somebody could say, well, yeah, well, that proves that, you know, it just proves exactly what I just said. Just because people documented this stuff doesn't mean it was true. These people were sincere, but they were sincerely deceived. This just proves that, that angels fell. The legend of Prometheus is the one that tells of this Titan deciding that he would disobey the gods and make humans gods themselves. Oh, our benevolent creator. Oh, what a fun guy. According to Greek mythology, Prometheus belonged to the older order of gods, the Titans, and was from the bloodline of Lapidus, also, which is also a moon on Saturn. Now, Saturn, sixth planet from the sun, six letters in its name. Hmm, six, six. If you change a couple of words around in Saturn, it's easy to get the word Satan, something pretty close to it. Um, yeah. Hmm. Weird. Anyway, um, he was from the bloodline of Lapidus, which also is also a moon in the sun, and Uranus. The His legend tells of stealing fire from Zeus and giving it to humanity. The fire Prometheus stole was said to be the very essence of life, and this light that was literally life itself. So I guess by his ultimate sacrifice of, in this particular case, the way the movie presented it, it was of drinking the substance and then killing himself, seeding the planet for all life as we know it, including human life. So I really guess we owe him a big debt of gratitude. Yeah, anyway, just teasing. Anyway, in Greek mythology, Prometheus is a creator god and his actions were considered both rebellious and symbolic of the spirit of the fallen one. Lucifer... Um, is also noted as the bringer of light. Now, I've done many, many teachings on this particular subject. I post a whole bunch of them right here. So you don't got to go up and search for any of this stuff. One of them, I'll just give you some of the titles. UFOs, Aliens, Fallen Angels, Nephilim in the Days of Noah, uh, The Antichrist, The Tribe of Dan, Mount Hermon, Fallen Angels and Giants. Now, some of these are multiple parts. Many of them are. Uh, Nephilim, sons of God, fallen angels, demons, evil spirits, Tartarus, sons of Seth, daughters of Cain, Augustine of Hippo, Thomas Aquinas, John Calvin, uh, warning and Bible study. There's there's one, Satan's agenda for disclosure. There's another one, the return of the Nephilim, Hollywood preparing the way. And then the next one, cloning, DNA manipulation, and corrupting the seed, and the book of Enoch. And then strong delusion, ETs, aliens, UFOs, Nephilim, and the Grenada Treaty. Now I understand it's a very lighthearted bunch of titles I just went through, whimsical, kind of fluff, but anyway. Um, so, the statue of Prometheus that stands outside the General Electric Building and overlooking the ice ring at Rockefeller Center, oh, maybe, you know, Rockefeller, in New York, was crafted uh, by the heavily connected Paul Howard Manship. And it epitomizes the elite as gods on Earth today. See, the elite believe they've already achieved this godhood status. 
And that we're like their serfs, their, their little slaves. And most of us don't really have any right to live because they know better. And this is a big reason they want to kill, you know, 90, 95% of us off, according to the Georgia Guidestones, which is their first commandment of their Ten Commandments for the New World Order, which says reduce population to 500 million, which would be, you know, between 90, 95% reduction. See, they're, they're the real gods. And um, they know what's best. The Rockefellers, like the Rothschilds, are families that see themselves as this bloodline royalty connected with these counterfeit gods of the movie Prometheus. See, you, you talk about, you know, there's no shortage of ego here. You talk about, you know, somebody that's beyond delusional. I mean, legends in their own mind. Well, they're all that and way more. The General Electric Building, which there's a little picture here above, um, also celebrates Saturn, the father of the Titans. Imagine that, Satan. The father of the Titans. Uh, named Urizen by William Blake in his image of the same design called the Ancient of Days. So they view Satan as their supreme creator god, which is, he's over them, sure. He's the anointed cherub that covereth, as the Bible referred to him before he fell. When his name was Lucifer, essentially, and then it changed into Satan, essentially, after he fell, they view, and, and they're correct, because he is at the head of their food chain, the satanic food chain. Now, for more about Satan, a.k.a., or Saturn, I'm sorry, Saturn, a.k.a. Satan, see my teaching called the Hexagram, The Mark of the Beast and the Hebrew Roots Connection. I did a whole teaching on this, and the hexagram is not a good symbol. It is a hex, which means a curse. Six-pointed star. There's ways you can drive 666 from a hexagram very easily. It is the most one of the most highest symbols in all of witchcraft. It is one of the main symbols they'll cast on the ground in order to literally summon a demon from another plane, or a devil from another plane of existence, or a fallen angel. It's not good. The the Israelis were duped to putting that on their flag. That is not like the symbol of Israel. They've been duped. Okay, not just in that way, but in, in other ways as well. So, the Bible talks about blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. There's different ways they were blind, blinded. And this is just one of them. Okay, I'm not speaking evil of the Jewish race, not at all. Just saying that there are certain ways that, certain things they haven't quite woken up to yet. But, I've done teachings on that as well. Anyway, Atlas was another titan and the brother of Prometheus. Uh, the Maya of Central America say that the advanced knowledge, this advanced knowledge, was handed down to them by the creatures of the plumed serpent. Serpent, their savior god, Quetzalcoatl, who just by chance says that he's going to make his big return here in 2012, according to the Mayan prophecies, from what I've seen. Quetzalcoatl, the plumed serpent. Hmm. In Egypt, the same was said of their god, Osiris. In Sumeria, Egypt, Central America, their, the gods became known as civilizers of the world. Civilizers? That's why, again, whenever these gods ended up showing up, 
they always ended up requiring massive amounts of human sacrifice and debauchery and every evil behavior. And those societies always ended up degenerating to the point where God had to just wipe them all out. Yeah, they're real civilizers of the world. Their fruit is, is absolutely 100% satanic wherever they rear their ugly heads. And they were worshipped for their superhuman abilities. These gods were also said to have lived openly among the ancients. Before a global catastrophic flood recorded in numerous civilizations, these gods then went underground into the catacombs that were said to stretch great distances across the earth. Hmm. A global catastrophic flood. Wow. I wonder if that had anything to do with the uh, Noah, the flood from Noah. Hmm. Um, there's a whole bunch of artwork that ancient civilizations made in this particular teaching that you can see. The, the PDFs will be uh, for June 24, 2012. You can view it on contendingfortruth.com. If you want to follow along, too, I'm, I'm just... I'm, Pretty much every teaching I do, you can follow along with it if you're viewing the PDF. Um, and a lot of times I'll have pictures in there as well. Through much art and oral tradition, these gods are depicted as a serpent race. Imagine that. Hmm. Satan appears in the Garden of Eden as a serpent. Huh. And he was cursed after that in the later part of Genesis 3. Hmm. Serpent race, the seed of the serpent, huh? And there are these gods are always predicted as, a, or, or always uh, depicted as a serpent race. Well, they're of their father, the devil. And when they fell, I believe one of the ways they were cursed is that God let them literally degenerate into this serpent, these serpent-like creatures. And in their purest form, if they and now they can appear as an angel of light, like the Bible talks about. If Satan can appear as an angel of light, it's no marvel that his ministers can appear. They're not really, though, but they can appear as ministers of righteousness. Well, it's the same thing with his fallen angels. If they are to manifest in their purest form, they're going to appear in some type of serpent-like Appearance. These gods are depicted as a serpent race, or the Itzama, which are lizard gods. I kind of like lizard gods. That's kind of interesting, lizard gods. Anyway, that said, are said to preside over the underworld. In Mayan art, the sculpture, the same gods are often shown as large serpents, rearing up to spew forth their descendants, who became the wicked kings that would rule the Earth's surface population. This is why the Illuminati believe they're literally from this bloodline. And this is why they believe that they're, they're qualified to rule over us. And they're, I, I wouldn't be one bit surprised and would almost be shocked if it wasn't the case that their DNA literally has already been totally tainted by these things. I mean, it happened in the days of Noah. When your DNA gets manipulated, and this is the whole thing about bloodlines of the Illuminati, like the book Fritz Springmeier wrote. I mean, these people are the most sick, evil, twisted, 
This is just what we, we were fasting about. Okay? Human sacrifice on the summer solstice. Who does that? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what kind of monster would sacrifice an infant on the summer solstice? This is how they have their fun. This is how they celebrate their religion. This is how they worship their God. And you're telling me their DNA isn't already been corrupted? Maybe not every one of them. I mean, I mean from a literal days of Noah standpoint. Are they actual Nephilim? I don't know. But how much of your DNA has to be corrupted for you to be incapable of being saved? Think about that. Jesus Christ did not come to planet Earth regarding the finished work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection to save humanity. He didn't come here to save Nephilim. And this is why Satan wants to corrupt all of our DNA. Because I think, and I don't know where we cross the line at, but you get to a certain point, your DNA becomes corrupted, you can't get saved anymore. You're not fully human. How does that interplay with a neural implant, which is what I was talking about earlier? I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to make a blanket statement because I don't know, but it's not something you want to mess around with. That girl on the spelling bee, she's got a neural implant, she's at a whole other level than anyone else. Is she fully human now? She's part machine. I'm not saying she can't get saved. I'm just saying, where does the line get crossed? Because there's got to be some line where, nope, and why, if that wasn't the case, if what I just said wasn't the case, why is it that Satan and his minions are so bent on getting us all into this transhumanism mode, getting us all neural implants, having us live in a virtual I mean, this is the whole thing about all the stuff with the droids and the iPhones and the computers, and they get smaller and smaller and smaller till they're literally part of us. That's the goal. That's the end game with all this stuff. This is why I, re- I refuse to go that route. I don't have a smartphone, and I'm not coming down. Somebody's got one, but I just don't want it. I got enough to deal with just with the computer. I want the most bare-bones, dumb phone that you can get, essentially. That's me. Now, yeah, I do a lot of work on the computer. But I'm just saying, I I see where it's going. Know what I mean? Taylor's giving me the thumbs down. Anyway, I see where that's ultimately going. It's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. I saw something the other day where they got this thing where they're putting in their eye. Where it's like a little thing where you're looking and you can see it in your eye. And it's like a computer screen. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to go that route. To where we are, if they had their way, if they had their druthers. Now that's a word we should all use this week, druthers. It's, we all need to do that. That's, that's the assignment for the week. Anyway, just kidding. Um, but if we all had our way, if they had their way... We would all be chipped to the gills, even though I don't have gills, but we would all be chipped. We'd all have neural implants. Where where, where do we cross the line here where we're not fully human anymore in God's eye? Because that's all that really matters. How does God view it? Well, 
wouldn't it be better just to err on the side of safety and not go that route whatsoever? And again, the whole vaccination thing, that's a whole other issue. (laughs) You know? Ultimately, we know that the mark of the beast, you take the mark of the beast, you cannot get saved. That's it. Done. Game over. And probably one of the reasons you won't be able to get saved is you'll be incapable of it, not only because you're probably in God's eyes a cyborg, but the mark of the beast is going to come with a big fat curse and how it's going to affect you mentally. You're just going to be given over to Satan. You're going to be incapable of that. So again, I'm saying that because there's a lot of future applications of what we're talking about here. This isn't just like some, oh, interesting little trivial side issue. It's something we need to have warning about so that, you know, we're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. So, the Sumerian clay tablets also show detailed descriptions of how what they called the Anunnaki gods interbred with human women to create a hybrid race, a fusion of human genes. Their offspring were known as the Nephilim, the Rephaim, the Emim, the Anakim, a giant race. Now the Bible talks about these races specifically. It talks about most of these races that I just mentioned, not even in Genesis 6, but after that. You're like, what do you mean after that? Well, do you remember the promised land? When they came in and and the... the, the, um, Jewish spies went in and they said we were as grasshoppers in their sight. These giants. And they had to fight different giant races after different giant races that Satan had strategically pre-positioned in the promised land because Satan had foreknowledge of God's plan for Israel. And so Satan put the biggest barriers he knew of in the promised land to I think what he was really trying to do is is to take away any faith that they would have to actually go in and possess the promised land. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the first set of spies came back, save um, the two spies, Caleb and I forget the other one, but anyway... They came in and everybody gave a bad report other than the two. And so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Until the next generation, which actually had the faith to believe what God said, went in and battled the giants and took possession the way God told them to do it. So Satan had pre-positioned these giant races there ahead of time. Well, I thought that all the giants were killed in, in that during the... Uh, the flood. Well, the giants were killed, and the angels, which kept not their first estate, were chained in, you know, the Bible talks about that in Jude, in a special place in hell called Tartarus, special compartment of hell. But that doesn't mean more angels couldn't have fallen. Think about that. You would think, after the first set of angels that fell... I mean, Satan originally fell with a third of the angels. You would have thought that the good angels in heaven that saw those angels fall and what their fate was that no more would fall, I don't know. Again, it's hard to say 100% exactly what took place up in heaven. But you would think that that would have been a deterrent what they saw happen during Genesis 6 and the flood. 
and then what Jude, Jude talks about, where the angels, which kept not their first estate. And I'll go over that verse a little bit later. But I don't know. I can't get into their head. I don't know their mindset. But anyway, the offspring were known as the Nephilim, the Rephaim, the Emim, the Anakim, a giant race recorded in cave art all over the world. In, ancient, in the ancient Inca tradition, it is said the mysterious race of beings called the Viracochas, uh, which there's a picture of them below left, were said to have created the Nazca lines in Peru. And they were also depicted as Caucasian, mainly bearded super gods. The word Viracochas is interpreted as the white masters from the skies who promised to return. When they would return is debatable, but movies like Prometheus hint at a time in the future. See, that was another thing. By the, you know, the, the, they're coming back. They're coming back. That was one of the themes. It was said that Viracochus gave us astronomy, building skills, the celestial calendar, and much beside that to the Incas. And in exchange, we gave them mega, mega amounts of human sacrifice and all kinds of tribute and all kinds of whatever, worship. They were said to have built the ancient ruins of Tahunaaku um, in one day with a magic trumpet. I have been to Tunahaku, and certainly it has some amazing feats of stone masonry and architectural structures. Yeah, there's structures all around the world. That I mean, the stones, we don't have cranes that could possibly lift, even to this day. And I mean, thousands of these types of stones stack perfectly in walls and these types of things. I've talked about that in the past. Oh, fallen angel, <laughs> it's no problem for them. In many accounts, Viracocha were said to have used heavenly fire, the same fire that Prometheus stole maybe, that could use, could lift huge blocks of stone. Many mysterious feats were associated with these hero figures uh, that were, according to some legends, said to have arrived via the planet Mars. All of the attributes given to the mysterious Caucasian blue-eyed bearded gods of the prehistoric world were attributed to the many false savior gods that would emerge much later in places like Mesoamerica, which would be Quetzalcoatl, Phoenicia, which would be Baal or Baal, Babylon, Tammuz, Rome, Mithra. All of these, quote, gods were considered the masters of time. The alien genetic engineers in Ridley Scott's movie are giants. And, of course, time travelers. And Scott's work would have been loosely inspired by the ancient knowledge of the gods found all over the world. So there's some pictures of some screenshots of the movie. The film unfolds in the spaceship Prometheus in 2093, arriving in the orbit, orbit around the moon. Uh, the moon is LV-223, after passing a planet that looks like Saturn. Hence the connection to Saturn's moon, Prometheus and the moon, that they eventually land on LV-223. The reasoning behind the mission is, as the head of scientist Shaw states, the matching star maps found on various artifacts are an invitation. Oh, right. Yeah, an invitation to hell. With the increase in the transhumanism in cyborg technology, it was no shock that Scott chose to incorporate an android within the plot as well. In the movie, his name is David 
who stays awake at the pilot control to monitor their voyage. Later in the movie, the android carries out his own sinister agenda, which hints at the danger of transhumanism. Uh, I think he kind of wanted to be like a real human, and he was pursuing his own thing to to accomplish that. It's hard to say. Uh, In the movie, David's command of the ancient languages and his ability to read hieroglyphs allows him to unlock the star maps coded by the race of alien engineers. On a more serious note, the connections to a technology... Obsessed transhuman agenda today could leave us all plugged in to a robotic reality. Which again is satanic's ultimate Satan's ultimate plan. Holograms are being used more than ever, with Elvis due to make an appearance on stage in 2012. I saw that thing several people sent me about that Tupac Shakur, where he had an I mean, he's dead, and he had a concert <laughs> of holographic image of him on stage. And it looked pretty real. Elvis is coming back. You know? The king. He's coming back. 2012. Stage. On stage, man. Yeah. Didn't you know? I didn't, actually. Anyway, Peter Weiland, the elder founder and CEO of Weiland Corporation, funds the creation of the scientific deep, deep space research that becomes the Prometheus mission. The Weiland Corporation in the movie is everything the global elite are today. Peter Weilin, in his TED speech, says, quote, We can create cybernetic individuals. We are the gods now. He also says, From the Titan Prometheus, we received our first piece of true technology, fire. The Illuminati bloodlines are the kings of biotech, nanotechnology, and nuclear fission. And the movie hints at this through the very elite Weiland Corporation. The elite are doing all of this now through genetic engineering of crops, DNA databases, test tube species, brave new worlds, and mutant robotic life forms. You name it, they're doing it. Now, here I put my uh, 10-part teaching on the 19 ways they are trying to kill us. Um, And uh, you can click on that. It's just some of the 19 ways they're trying to kill us, essentially. (laughs) They, meaning the Illuminati. Now, of course, Ridley Scott's films, the ancient species, the alien species, is a hybrid predator that is born of a combination of alien genetic engineers. The gods in the movie Prometheus and the albino reptilian species are called hemipedes, that resemble the facehuggers in Scott's earlier earlier alien movies. The one-eyed symbolism comes up again and again in the movie, and not at least connects to the one-eyed south pole of of Saturn. Now, Saturn has a south pole, and it looks like an eye from outer space. And it's like, there's a lot of really, really creepy stuff with Saturn. Okay? Big time. (laughs) Okay, so... um, yeah, and I, there's actually a picture here of the South Pole of Saturn if you want to see it. It'll be on page 5 or five or 6 of the PDF. And it's an actual picture of the South Pole of Saturn. So, and again, they all always have this one-eyed symbology. I mean, look at the back of a $1 bill, you know? The all-knowing eye of Lucifer or Horus at the top of the capstone. So... The interesting connections visually for me are that there seems to be a common theme of reptilian-like aliens converging with human-alien god species. T.H. Huxley 
uh, ex-club of the 1880s, which was an elite group of nine men that believed that humanity had been seated on Earth by advanced beings from space, is another connection. The Huxley, Darwins, and Wedgwood families all interbred like royalty to advance their ideas of a superhuman race and its connection to the stars. And there's a lot of some symbolism of that, the caduceus symbol, which I've talked about several times from the medical profession, the, the DNA double helix, the um, Freemasonic square and compass. And there's pictures of these here that you can look at as well. Sir Fred Hoyle, the author of Life from Space, said the likelihood of the formation of life from inanimate matter is one to a number with 40,000 zeros after it. Um, I agree with that. It is, a big, it is big enough to bury Darwin in the whole theory of evolution. There was no primeval soup, neither on this planet nor any other, and if the beginnings of life were not random, they must therefore have been the product of purposeful intelligence. So you see, they're debunking Darwinism on one hand, but at the same time they're saying there had to be some creator gods here to seed humanity. And again, that goes back to the whole ancient astronaut line, the intelligent design line. I give you those teachings again right here, just so you have that. Also, a meteorite found in Antarctica in 1995 called CR2 uh, Grave Nun Attacks, according to the Professor Pizarro Pizzarello at the National Academy of Sciences, shows that the building blocks of life likely came from space. What a bunch of stinking garbage. No, God created mankind. Male and female, he created them. Okay? End of story. We didn't evolve from, from, from some bacteria on space rocks. That's just... Oh my word. I mean, it's so asinine, the whole notion of this. Even Francis Crick understood the human genome was not natural and must have been engineered. Paul Davies writing in the New Scientist magazine also suggested our DNA could be the answer to the so-called extraterrestrial life forms. The article went on to explain how one segment of the DNA contained more than a million base pairs. He said, enough for a decent-sized novel or the history of the rise and fall of an ancient civilization. Now, one of the things they'll get into now, invariably, is they'll say, oh, what about the junk DNA? See, that proves that the aliens created us. What a bunch of garbage. There is no such thing as junk DNA. And I debunked this with the help of um, uh, some good articles and a listener that actually specializes in that, who's way smarter than me, and I give you the two teachings where I got into this. They're on page six of the PDF for this teaching. And I, I said, see Scott Johnson's teachings debunking junk DNA theories. Because that's another way they're trying to deceive us. It seems that alongside the myths and legends of superhuman Caucasian gods, there was another series of deities which were worshipped and recorded as the, quote, shining ones or the watchers mentioned in the text of the Book of Enoch and the Dead Sea Scrolls. And again, I give you my teaching on... Cloning, DNA manipulation, corrupting the seed in the Book of Enoch. The same gods were also known as the Anunnaki of Sumerian history, and possibly there is a connection to the Nagar in ancient India. According to the Aztecs, a giant race was said to have lived on Earth at the time of the first sun, which was destroyed by water. The first sun age, which was destroyed by water, which would be the flood of Noah. Leaving a new Earth for the gods to build their new civilization. And as, as we know, they, they, they came back, they, you know, they were in the promised land, and this was after the flood, and so it's not like Satan just you know, gave up after the flood. 
Um, science fiction novels and comics throughout the past uh, 150 years, of course, have been full of themes that connect alien life that, um, with that of the Legends of the Flood. And these comic books are a main way that that's been accomplished as well. The story of Decalon in Pythera is a Greek counterfeit version of Noah and the Great Flood, warned by his father Prometheus, uh, Diaculon built an ark to survive the coming flood that Zeus, the creator, was sending to punish mankind. Well, again, it's a counterfeit version. One of the other punishments was to send the goddess Pandora for Prometheus's presumption in stealing his fire. Her name meant Pan, which means all, and Dora, gifts, Pandora. And Pandora's box, in this case of the movie Prometheus, was the alien DNA that is intent on ending all life. Um, so, going further, I give you my teachings on transhumanism, vaccinations, DNA corrupting the seed of mankind, uh, and other ones that have to deal with DNA. My teachings on on humanity's DNA being corrupted. There's four, four five different teachings I give you here. Um, so, you don't have to go look for them. I already put them here in the PDF. When an ampule-like artifact leaks inside the alien chamber, the android David secretly returns an ampule to the ship. From the cylinder, he commences the mutation that eventually unleashes Pandora's box, which, of course, genetically helps to spawn the alien predator species. The creature that starts in the womb of the human woman, Dr. Shaw, and eventually enters the body of of the alien engineer, ultimately becomes the reptilian-looking creature from the Alien series movies. That's how one movie gets to the other. Because remember, this is the prequel. So it came before. So, anyway, um, I want to end part one here. I'm just about out of time for part one, and we'll go to part two next. God bless you. Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line 450, Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, Number 202, Third Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.